Hey, I'm Christian from the CB3, and you're listening to Behind the Music with LED. <laughs> that rhymes. Many have said that music has healing properties. Well, in 2020, we have faced a one in 100 year event with the COVID 19 pandemic, and music is one element that has helped carry us through. But this pandemic has changed our life in so many ways, especially so for. Australian singer-songwriters who were once accustomed to performing their music in a live setting. Join me as I unearth what goes on behind the scenes during these COVID times across the Australian music scene. This is Behind the Music with LED. Hey, welcome to this, the third episode. It's great to have you here with me today. This week, I had a chat with Christian Barbieri. Now, he featured on University of Music when Corey and I, last season, thought we'd have uh, some fun. (laughs) I was testing his knowledge of Australian music and we featured Christian as the CB3, as one of the guesses or one of the featured artists on that fun segment. Today, you're going to get to hear my chat with him, but also... Jono's back with Jono's Top Picks, music artists that he recommends from all around the world, not just here in Australia, but have a listen this week to see who he recommends. And Corey and I have another chat on University of Music about issues or rather a topic that is um, quite a focus in the Australian music scene right now. But without any further ado, here's my chat with Christian Barbieri from the CB3. Behind the music with LED. Where did your musical journey begin? Uh, my musical journey goes back to when I was a kid. My dad was a keys player through the 70s. He used to gig around town and played with some, some big cats like John Farnham and stuff. Um, yeah, but he had a piano and a synthesizer laying around in the house. And so I, me and my sister would always jump on those and play some songs by ear and whatnot. Then sometime in late primary school, I think I started getting some guitar lessons after having seen my next door neighbours who uh, played in a band. So, you know, that got me or they were about 10 years older than me and they were cool. So rubbed off on me. Yeah. So I got some lessons and then the high school I went to had a pretty good music program, which was why we, why I kind of went there because I, music had, it had piqued my interest. So I went to a high school and pretty much dove in i played as many instruments as i could was involved in all the symphonic bands and the stage bands and um the musicals and whatnot and yeah formed a band with some friends from high school um late high school and we started gigging i guess by the time i was 16 17 we were doing gigs um around town yeah i kind of knew from mid to late high school that music was what I wanted to do. Who is the inspiration behind your music? The inspiration behind my music? Um, I guess oh, it's so varied. Uh, growing up I was always into the you know the grunge bands like Nirvana and you know some of the Aussie bands like Silverchair and Powderfinger but then I also got into jazz and kind of groove music like you know some Benson, George Benson stuff through early high school and of course then the R&B and rap kind of influence came throughout the early 2000s and you know anything that kind of grooved really sat and resonated with me so you know from a guitar perspective yeah it's George Benson and Wes Montgomery and then some of the session players from LA but musically I you know when I create I draw influences from everywhere you know a lot of a lot of the songs that I come up with are they start with exploring or trying to play some classical pieces or some pieces from show tunes or you know even just exploring a concept or an idea on the instrument so um yeah I guess my inspiration comes from 
a lot of the places. Also, sonically, you know, I really like exploring sounds, and that also comes from my love of EDM music or、um, more more atmospheric music as well. What do you hope to achieve through your music? I'd like to develop, you know, a wider audience and play bigger shows. Obviously, when whenever that is, that we can start playing gigs again. But ultimately, just making a living off music—that's my baseline achievement, and I'm kind of doing that at the moment. So I'd consider myself, you know, somewhat of a success,、uh, but always trying to aspire and expand. I guess. Which music artist would you consider collaborating with? Couple of musical artists I'd love to collaborate with are、um, Lizzo. I mean, I think she's just incredible. Everything she stands for, and even just her music. You know, like that was one of my big albums of、um, that's come out in the last couple of years. I I was obsessed with it. I played it on repeat for like four months. And not so much a musical artist, but just an artist in general is、uh, Michel Gondry, who's a visual artist. You know, he's he's a kind of creative textile visual. Artist who's done video clips for people like Daft Punk and Chemical Brothers and Björk, and I'm in love with his visual style. What words of wisdom do you have for upcoming music artists? Keep doing it. Keep pushing yourself. Try and stay positive. It's that last one's a hard thing to do, especially in the current climate. But you know, once the once we've come out of the depths of this COVID lockdown, I think we will see some rebuilding and some reshaping. Of what the industry looks like and how it operates, and、uh, yeah, I think there's going to be a need for artists. So just keep doing it. Thanks for listening. Hope you dug what you heard. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook. Just look up the CB3, and、uh, yeah, we can touch base there. Jonas Top Picks. Hi guys, Jono here from the Biz with Jono, and we're back with some more top picks. So make sure you unplug those ears and get over and follow these wonderful musicians straight away. First out of the gate this week is Ali Cisneros. I hope I'm saying that correctly. She's featured on my show recently, but Nightmares is her latest track, and it's out now. She's based in Melbourne. She's from South America originally, and Ali is a pop delight, bringing tracks like Suitcase, Go My Dear. And they're all out now, and I think you should get over on Instagram, YouTube, and download and follow Ali and give her songs a listen. They're on all major platforms right now. Then we go to Sydney and the amazing Lauren Kelly. She's a singer-songwriter, and she, well, do you know what? She can sing a song. She can belt out a track. She does a lot of original work, but they're completely unreleased so far. And I had the pleasure and exclusive of having Lauren Kelly on my show recently. She covered the song "A Woman's Worth" by Alicia Keys, and she is unsigned, raw, and her voice is effortless. It is absolutely amazing. We think you should give Lauren Kelly music a follow over on Instagram and support her. And hey, you know what? If Alicia Keys comes back to tour, don't forget we need to get Lauren Kelly supporting her as a support act on that tour. Go and check Lauren Kelly out. UK singer-songwriter Presenter is bringing some UK flavour, pop and R&B. Her new track "Quarantining" is out right now, and it is a catchy tune. Hey, just like the virus itself, it's catchy. But hopefully, you're not going to catch anything from this apart from good vibes. At "Quarantining" by the lovely Justina, you can find Justina on Instagram and all over Facebook and YouTube. Uh, J Tina or Justina with her new track "Quarantining" is out now. It's wonderful. I think you're going to like it. We'll see you next time on Jono's Top Picks. Music.
here with our Corey back for another week of University of Music. Thank you for having me back, Ellie. It's really great to be here. Uh, this week I thought we'd have a, a chat about the, the evolution of the physical distribution of music. And uh, I get, like last week, you were saying you're not really one to be watching like music shows as such. But I'm wondering, do you remember Wax Cylinders? Hey, I'm not that old. <laughs> Yes, I do remember the vinyl. vinyl records. Yeah, yeah. You bought so re- a record was your first purchase. Uh, oh, that's a good question. No, I acquired some, I guess you would say, uh, but I had <laughs> bought some. I used to buy singles basically, and then cast singles. But playing them on radio was very difficult because you had to use your little pinky finger to you play it, and as soon as the song started, you press stop. Then you took it out, you put your finger in the left hand side, and wound it back half a turn so it was queued up to play on the radio that was I mean you I know that your time in radio you never experienced that because it's like cassettes you probably wouldn't have even found a tape deck in the studio but yes I remember that I started back in 2000 on an Italian community station and everything was cassette tape there were a few CDs yeah yeah so we never had that thing the the pinky finger problem yeah but I I don't remember doing I don't remember doing that but something I do remember is how I started as a kid with cassette tapes and dad had records and then very quickly by 2000 I wanted a discman because everything was CDs and even the little MP, do you remember those little MP3 players? I've still got one in the drawer. And I have one too. So you think we've gone from, you know, like a big record to a cassette tape which is smaller than a CD that's a bit larger than MP3 smaller and all of a sudden everything seems to be so digital. So well, I, I know it was better for me because I used to carry a milk crate with all the records in it oh to goodness. the station and that was very, very heavy. Now you can basically carry it on a USB stick. And, you know, you talk about milk crates. I know colleagues that I've done community radio with, they would have a suitcase, like wheel in with their suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> Unzip it and everything would be there. But I came across an interesting fact recently. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously we've seen there's a change with the way that, um, you know, the, the digital age is impacting on the distribution of a lot of information. But in 2013, um, ARIA reported that Australian sales in music had declined by 11%. Wow. But digital music is obviously on the rise. Even though there's a lot of artists out there that are releasing records, vinyl, even. <laughs> Just well, I know it's really it. had a revival. I mean, I never got into it. I always put the imperfections, but the people who love vinyl love those imperfections. Yeah, they do. They do. And I love vinyl. I love records. Uh, records for me are it's a very um, nostalgic thing to remember. My first memory of it being Christmas and sitting on my dad's lap next to the Christmas tree and listening to an Elvis record. And it, <laughs> I was about three years old and I just remember that like it just was such a cosy, beautiful memory looking at the Christmas tree and the lights. And so to me, that that crackle and that snap that you hear from a, a record, it reminds Don't you me... you talk about a breakfast cereal? <laughs> <laughs> Almost. But tell me, today, I guess the, the problem or the... Um, situation I'd like us to resolve, you know, it's gone from this evolution of big to small and big to small and big to small, the physical distribution and everything now is, you know, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Music, Bandcamp, there's all these online platforms. Let's think like five years down the track and we're not thinking too far, but 2025, where do you think music is going to be distributed? Is it going to be... Well, I'll be 54 years old. (laughs) Okay. 
I didn't actually so think I about how hard you So music won't be a problem for me. <laughs> it doesn't matter what um, what medium it's on, I won't be able to hear it. Now look, I can see there have been changes, and you're right. We do go large, small, large, small. Um, while things were getting smaller, ghetto blasters that people would take to the beach would be getting larger. And I think that was probably more about the speaker and the, um, the, the, the bass sound to it. In five years' time, I think digital will probably become the like the absolute way of, of doing things because of its simplicity, the fact that there is no, you don't have to go to a store to buy it. It can all be done online. But that said, there will still be like a continue to be, would you consider the vinyl lovers, yourself included, as to be like an underground sort of movement? <laughs> I mean, I know at JB Hi-Fi, you can still find, um, they, they have albums. They do. And it seems to be growing. They do. And like more recently, I've bought albums, so the record albums of Penal, Fundamentals, Donny Benet. They're all Australian artists that okay you know um fundamentals been around for 10 plus years i've got four well from memory i said four albums out but now you know it's commercially played donny benet's just um entered the aria charts this year so it just it, it fascinates me how we go through like a, a movement where something is relevant to that time period mm. and then people go oh that's really old but then what's, all the of a sudden, what's the cost is the the price of creating vinyl oh that's affordable? such a good question that's such a good question and i'd love for maybe i should ask one of the guests from this podcast um and the youtube series of behind the music to see what that is because i do know that buying a cd it's getting less and less expensive but if i wanted to buy an album on record or vinyl i'm paying sort of between 40 and 70 dollars wow because i realized that while it seems a bit strange technology has evolved so theoretically creating the vinyl should be easier than it you was think when so, we were growing they? up but you're you saying by by the price now either you're being gouged or um, it, it is still rather expensive to create that as opposed to digital i mean I in a like digital it. age everything like electronic is sure it's quicker and it should be easier to make your music available and if you self-promote you're out there doing that but the one thing you're saying looking to 2025 i do not subscribe to this whole or i don't actually subscribe to the model uh, services like spotify where your music all you own is a license i'm not talking about having like a physical disc or a record in your hand i'm talking about the fact that it all lives in the cloud mm. and that's fine until you can't access the cloud and then people are jumping up and down i can't access my music i like it locally i don't get that whole idea i want it locally if i've got the capacity and uh, to be able to store those sort of things so I, I wouldn't go that far that everything just exists in the cloud i have all the music that's important to me in a digital format on my computer that i can access at any time i want i don't know i don't know where vinyl is going it could have a surge again but I'm not sure that it's going to be back to the way it was where I used to go down to Jets Music or Sanity and buy oh, yeah. a single. Like Love Shack from the B-52s. I had to take it back and it had a bit of a scratch on the single. It's not me, it's this. And that's the other thing. You always had to check. And even with CDs, I remember, if you go <laughs> to places like Brashes, remember Brashes? <laughs> yeah, you'd Brashes. look at the disc to make sure it was okay because they don't want you coming back. Like They don't want you being disappointed, but yeah, also... I don't 
I haven't seen that happen and admittedly a lot of the CDs that I've, I haven't bought CDs in a while but I, if I bought them I, I remember going to you know Sanity for example they didn't look at the CDs when they packaged them anymore they started when I was still like buying yeah, they, they used to but in the end I think maybe the technology advanced where it was very very unlikely that there would be a faulty disc well thanks for helping me take a trip down memory lane today Corey. <laughs> yeah, you want to drag me to 2025 where I'll be I 54 was and I want to drag you back. But oh, oh, look, where I am right now, now I'm thinking about the hundreds and if not thousands of CDs that I have and the conundrum I have. I don't know what I'm going to do with them. So I'm going to, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to listen back to this a few times in coming weeks and months and maybe <laughs> I'll magically come up with the answer, which is what do I do with the CDs? Will you be back again next week for more? I will indeed, Ellie. All right, we'll we'll have a chat then. But thank you again for sharing your experiences on how the distribution of music has been seen through your eyes. Thank you, Ellie. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If this is something new that you're listening to, there's a whole other season available right here on this streaming platform for you to listen to because this is season two, so you've got all of season one to catch up with. Also, in case you weren't aware, over on YouTube, you can catch my channel where I feature a lot of other Australian singer-songwriters. Cheers to the car that just drove past. I love doing these weekly check-ins and check-outs out in nature. It's a a very prominent theme for me in this second season, probably because we're, we're moving through spring which means sunnier days are coming though here in Queensland it's always a sunny day enough about the weather here I'll catch you next week I'm having a chat with Bernadette Novembre and Corey and Jono will be back again if you want to get in contact with me you know how to do it got a question for industry send it through to hello at ledofficial.com this is behind the music with LED.